CCA on the air. I'm Nicholas Hewitt, Assistant Vice President for Institutional Transformation. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Charlie Basover, uh, Associate Commissioner for Marketing and Communications at the Indiana Commission for Higher Education, and Allison Keir, Communications Director also at the Indiana Commission for Higher Education. Charlie, welcome. Thank you, Nicholas. It's so nice to be here. And Allison, welcome. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. So let's get to it. Uh, I think that one thing that I'm particularly interested in, and I, I was really excited um, that, that you agreed to, to do this, is that last year uh, I was lucky enough to uh, attend one of your presentations. And I think that that's something that, you know, coming in, we, uh, I think that's one thing that a lot of folks have been talking about is the lowest or the lower college enrollment the uh, college growing rate for high school graduates is uh, you know is going down the perception of um, college you know the value of college I, I don't know if we can say that at the all-time low it seems accurate I don't know if it's right uh, in terms of data but it seems pretty uh, accurate so when I walked into your comp your your presentation and it's like guess what this is what we've been doing we've been you know assessing and evaluating the messaging um, about you know how we can get our students to come to college, and here's here's are our findings, here are recommendations. So it's like, man, people you know people need to hear this. So for those who may not be familiar with you know who are not attendance in that attendance, uh, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that comprehensive work that you've done, and uh, so that they get uh, a, a good overview basically of what uh, of your work. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for your enthusiasm, for being part of the, the presentation audience. Um, we have heard from a lot of states since we did that presentation, wanting to, um, you know, sort of have us come and talk to them about it as well. So definitely a lot of interest happening around the country in these topics. And we were two years ago, two and a half years ago, you know, still in dealing with the pandemic but also looking at our data and our college readiness data, where we look at the pipeline of students who are coming from high school and going to college and seeing uh, really uh, stark declines um, over time. So not real, not you know year to year, real big increase decreases, but over time, a definite um, you know curve in our in a downward trend. Um, so not surprising to us when we released our 2020 college readiness data last year. So really look at that first, you know, take of what happened to students and what they were, what their enrollment trends were in the middle of the pandemic, right, you know, at the beginning in 2020. And there was then a real stark decline. But we knew it was already happening in Indiana, at least, and mirroring national conversations as well. So that's what we wanted to understand. Um, what was actually happening? What are Hoosiers, students, parents, the general population? How are they really feeling about higher education, the value of it, the cost of it? And then see if, A, what we're saying right now is even meeting the mark. Is it is it hitting the important conversation points that students and parents are really begging for? Or are we needing to change our messaging? And that's the impetus of how we got to where we are today. 
Um, but absolutely that uh, we believe um, and our sort of supposition at the time was that we should be reaching students uh, and, and adult learners and parents and family members in the right language with the right messaging. And we need to really make sure that we're doing the research on our end to focus on those things. So can you talk about some some of those takeaways? Because I, I remember one example, and if you don't bring it up, I'll, I'll bring it up after, uh, because I think that was pretty startling on my end. Uh, but some takeaways, like what, what did you find? Uh, what worked, what didn't work? Um, and I, we can talk about different demographics and, and different populations uh, in a minute, but just over, yep. you know, overall, like what, what, what was good? What was not so good? Yeah, I'm, I'll say a couple of things and I'll throw it to Allison too. She really has dug in on the recommendation side. So two, two main themes, probably no one at all is going to be surprised. Our survey said college is too expensive. 64% of people, surprisingly, a little more surprisingly than the cost one, said that they don't believe the college degree has the same value that it once did. So definitely those are the two themes. And we've seen it again and again reiterated in other research. Um, you know, Allison can also speak to some national research that we've been following that really backs up a lot of what we found in Indiana too. So those two main themes are, are what we've been operating under. And then our recommendations, not only from a messaging standpoint, but real connection and resources behind. In Indiana, we have really great, generous financial aid for students and families. Um, but we've learned um, people really don't feel like they know how to access it or they don't feel like that it is right for them. So we have to break through um, that sort of mis miscommunication or misperception that it there is no help um, especially for the financial aid side or the cost part, um, but also that there are people that are willing and ready and able to connect them to those resources. So, Allison, go for it. Yeah, so I'll also add um, a really interesting takeaway that we found is that messengers also matter. So what we're saying to students, that's students, adult learners, that's really important, but who's saying it is almost equally as important. And what we found from our surveys is that the government, so federal, state, and local government, those are seen as some of the least trustworthy sources of message, <laughs> messaging. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it, we expected that, kind of, that type of result, but then to actually like see it um, and the, the survey data really affirmed what we were thinking all along. Um, so what we then realized is that the people that our audiences, audiences trust, so that's family, friends, school counselors and teachers and community organizations, those are the people that we at the commission need to work on ensuring that they're equipped with the right resources, with the right messaging to communicate the value of education beyond high school and to also communicate with them the different pathways that are available and the financial aid opportunities that we have. Yeah, one other important caveat to that too, Allison, uh, you know, you focused on the, the government and the, the especially the trustworthiness questions there. Um, what we were also surprised to see was that higher education itself, representatives from higher education were is not super trusted. So, you know, we sit at the intersection of both government and higher education. So, uh, yeah. you know, for us, there's a lot of challenges here that we've tried to take. But again, using uh, the right resources, putting those in the hands of the people that are trusted, um, you know, by people that we want to hear these messages, we cannot do that enough. 
Yeah, and I want to add, um, so when we presented to some of the, the administrators within the higher ed institutions, they were pretty disheartened to hear that they weren't seen as trustworthy. But when we yeah. dug a little bit more into that response, we realized that it wasn't so much the um, financial aid advisors, the admissions counselors that are having those one-on-one -on -one conversations with students. It's more as like the institution of college as being seen as, um, you know, just trying to get butts in seats, trying to take money and not really helping um, students achieve the opportunities of higher ed. That, that's a good point. I, I, I think that definitely, uh, that's something I, I heard uh, when I was on campus about how the perception of student as just being a number, you know, uh, and exactly that. It's like, oh, if the only time you're reaching out to me is to make sure that I register, uh, exactly, I'm, I'm just basically a tuition revenue uh, for you. Obviously, the, the, the trust and the relationship here doesn't, you know, uh, it's not very conducive to, uh, you know, beneficial relationships or, or things like that, then I'm sure that that's pretty much the same way from a, you know, from a, a high school uh, student who may be or who might be considering college as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think we also see that more from those people who are really not sure about the value of education or those that have heard negative messaging over time, maybe from family members, maybe from the media or just other general places come to their own conclusions less about the students that are already sort of in the pipeline uh, or have already really seen the value and know that, you know, so students that are on campuses, um, you know, e even those students um, may tend to see the value a little more than, than people who very immediately are like either know or I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So a little yeah. bit of nuance there. Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, Allison, you mentioned representation, you know, like, well, you mentioned the messenger, you know, and how in some cases the messenger becomes the message. And I think to me, I'm, I'm going to take it to, to the next step about how how can we reach out to, you know, different populations. Obviously, the messaging may not be separate. And obviously, as you know, we're, we're, we're talking about and as you found out, the, the, the trust uh, issue in some cases of, of some of the folks who may deliver those messages may just, you know, miss the mark in this case. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more around uh, the different demographics uh, of students, whether we're talking about you know, obviously adults, uh, which I know there's a big push for a lot of institutions, like we need to reach adults. Um, that's a different conversation that I'm happy to uh, to talk about. I think one thing that if you reach out to adults, you need to make sure that you actually have a structure that can accommodate their success, not just reaching out again exactly for that to we need butts and seats, so let's reach out to adults. Well, that's problematic. Um, but not just adults, but also like you know, Latinx, uh, Black students, uh, rural students, and things like that. So I was wondering how, like, the, the messaging and the the, the, the wording, uh, how does that differ, or or does it, you know, for the different populations of, of students you're trying to reach? Yeah, it absolutely does differ. When we were first starting with uh, this research, our um, former commissioner, she wanted us to create like one message for all of our audiences. And we quickly realized that that doesn't work. All of our demographics, all of the different audiences need to be communicated in a different way. Um, and while we didn't include them in our initial research, um, we found quickly, anecdotally, that employers play a very large role in 
attracting adult learners, um, whether it's, you know, encouraging them to skill up for uh, job job growth, but also working with those adult learners to accommodate for, as you mentioned, those unique needs that they face. Um, we realized with Hispanic and Latino students, family plays a very critical role in, you know, sharing that that value and the the opportunities that come with higher levels of education. Um, and we also found that for colleges and universities as they're marketing to different students to include students of different backgrounds, to not just you know only highlight that shining star that you have there, but maybe someone who has you know faced certain obstacles and challenges and how they were able to navigate them along the way. Um, that's so important because a student to be able to see someone from a similar background to them, it, it, it really goes a long way. Thank you. And I, I would say one thing I, I share uh, with some of the institutions I'm working with is like, look at your website. Obviously it's not just the messaging, but it's a visual messaging, uh, visual imagery of it. Like, what is it portrayed, you know, and who is actually portrayed on your website? Uh, I think if you're trying to reach out to adults, do students see themselves on uh, on the website or all they see are 18 year olds? Well, if I'm, you know, if I'm like 36 and uh, have two kids, uh, the 18 year old walking hand in hand in the, in the quad May, may not appeal to me in this case. So I think that's definitely the, the, the imagery on your website. So thank you for mentioning that. I think that, that makes a, a big difference here. Uh, absolutely. Charlie. Oh. Sorry. Um, yeah, so I, the imagery, I mean, we, and we've taken this really seriously at the um, commission. You know, we have a student parent educator facing website called Learn More Indiana, where we really house all of the resources for our 21st century scholars program. And a lot of, uh, you know, sort of the, the college going pipeline from from high school to, to college um, and not only our imagery, but messaging uh, on our own site. So we tested a lot of the things that we had. So one of Allison's favorite things to talk about when we do our presentation is her what she calls her Frank's red hot slide, which um, is this <laughs> <laughs> this idea that yeah. Yeah, go ahead. So for those who don't know what Frank's red hot, it's a hot sauce. Hot sauce. Uh, yeah, I should have been so And you, you put that, put it on everything. You put that on everything. And, yes. and for me, it's Tabasco, but like, I get it. You like Frank's, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But like, that's what, like, we had these lines that were, and in so many other states that we've talked to, and a lot of our um, institutions had uh, the number one thing that we, we were guilty of is saying that with higher levels of education, you can make a million dollars more in a lifetime. And it's like, oh, that's such a good point. Like who wouldn't want a million dollars? And yes, we did put it on everything from our websites to our flyers, to even having our commissioner go out and say it and all of their different speeches. And um, Charlie can share, she got to sit in on a couple of oh, uh, yeah. Uh, um, focus groups. <laughs> how people sound, it, it sounds like such a great talking point, right? Because you're right, Allison, who doesn't want a million dollars more? So, um, but man, it was so interesting. We, we did focus groups on top of a survey and a bunch of interviews as well. And we did segmented focus groups with um, high school students, juniors and seniors. We did some with adult learners. Uh, we did some with parents of juniors and seniors in high school as well. So the um, everybody hated that one. Like everyone... <laughs> was like, nope, this is not motivating for me. But the funny thing was, um, 
for very different reasons. So the adult learners, it didn't resonate with them because it's like, okay, that seems like monopoly money. Like, when am I ever going to make a million dollars over a year, uh, over, you know, in a lifetime? I can't even think about tomorrow, let alone a lifetime. You know, I got to get my kids to bus. And this is me speaking from a parent perspective too. Like I couldn't think about that either. Also side note, um, the, the phrase lifelong learning, very similar reasons why people don't resonate with that phrase as well. Um, side note, <laughs> side note unresolved, but the, for the, for the K-12, the, those juniors and seniors in high school, when we put that phrase in front of them, uh, they were viscerally angry. Like it was a, it was a physical response we could see on their faces because it was the intention, uh, our assumption that their values are, are really, really driven by money or, um, how much, you know, they'll make or earn over a lifetime. Whereas they were saying, no, I want to go and do what my passion is. I want to, you know, make a difference in the world. I want to change the world. And I, I don't need money to do that. So it was, again, are we putting our, uh, you know, suppositioning our own values um, on top of the audience that we're trying to connect with immediately turns them off. That That is so interesting because I, I think that, yeah, uh, I, I'm more of a uh, Sriracha guy uh, than uh, Frank Red Hots, but uh, I can definitely see that. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is a talking point that I've been talking about uh, and I've shared over the years as well. So it's very mm-hmm. interesting how, you know, things that you've been doing over and over again, you're expecting a certain response and it's quite the opposite response that you're getting. And it's, so that's why I'm, I'm really interested in the work that you've done because I think it, it was really evaluating the messaging that we've had. And obviously like, you know, higher education is slow in moving. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of folks in, in higher education, they look at, you know, at, at, at around like their walls and, you know, the buildings and, and the degrees. And it's like, man, who would want this? You know, this is great. Like we're awesome. Look at all the benefits, like million dollars, better yep. health for their children and, and more, uh, you know, being engaged in the community and, and so on and so forth. So like it sells itself. Uh, so I think that there was a lot of like befuddlement, uh, uh, if, if they uh, could use that to, for, for that decline in, in, in enrollment and things like that. Yeah. And so, then the pandemic came along and only accelerated all of that. It I, just made it all that much worse. So yeah. we're in, not that we're in an, we were in an easy position, but it's like so much harder now to try to, you know, we really need to get with the times we in higher education. Absolutely. So some of the things that you mentioned uh, in, in the report the, uh, on, on education value um, is the messaging is to need to make it relevant. So obviously not, when we talk about college, it's not just the bachelor's degree, it's, you know, the two years, the, the certificate, it's, it's basically, uh, maybe not lifelong learning, so I, I need to rethink about how, how to use that uh, in this case. Uh, needed to make it valuable. So how, how we talk about higher education opens up opportunities, provides flexibility to the person once they've completed, uh, and accessible. And, and this is what I think that uh, the one thing I, I was looking at that uh, your presentation is like using manageable as opposed to affordable. And I, I, I love that because it's much more realistic, right? I mean, affordable is like, hey, it's a deal. It's like, I, I don't, there's not a whole lot of deal unless maybe in, in, in Indiana, you get the, you're one of the 21st century scholars. Uh, mm-hmm. If well, you're not, it's I was gonna say, we actually talking about like owning um, 
the results that we got from our research is that the tagline for the 21st Century Scholars Program, which is our early promise program, um, was making college affordable. And we learned quickly in our research that that's very subjective. You know, what's affordable to me is not necessarily affordable to you. And so we went and we we changed that tagline to making college possible. And yeah, it meant we had to change a lot of our our swag items, a lot of our handouts and materials and things, but um, you know, we we really stuck with the results. And and manageable may not necessarily be the best word. You know, Charlie and I are saying it's it's still it's a little clunky, but um, you know, it's it's much less subjective than than affordable was. Absolutely. So how how are you using this? So now, like you know, you you've done all that work, you know, the surveys the focus groups, the analysis. So what what is what is the current work right now that, that yeah. you are doing at the uh, the commission or and potentially even beyond that? Yeah, man, we've got all kinds of things going <laughs> in a whole bunch of different directions. So uh, I'm not gonna spend 8,000 minutes on this because I feel like I could at this point, but we we are taking this so to heart. And I think, you know, I mentioned earlier changing our, our Learn More Indiana website. We are coming up with a sort of an adult strategy version of, of what that looks like for connecting specifically with adult learners um, and making sure that they have this same access to these resources and, and this, you know, sort of changed um, messaging communications. Um, so we're doing this. We're we're talking about this literally everywhere we can. Um, if anyone's out there listening and they want us to come and present to them, we will do that. Um, we have been uh, in front of a lot of groups, but it's it's not enough. Like we can never say this enough. Um, so we are, we're also activating um, what uh, our new commissioner, Commissioner Lowry is calling the partnership Pentagon here in Indiana. And so that's really um, energizing, collecting this group of uh, cross-sector uh, folks who are really engaged or need to be engaged in this work as well from more of a grassroots level and effort. Um, and so we're taking that all the way from, you know, the top of policymakers, all the way to the people that are in the field from our own personal outreach coordinators here at the commission to our all of our community partners. So with the, the partnership Pentagon, we're engaging employers, nonprofit groups, um, uh, I always forget them, <laughs> um, uh, philanthropic groups, um, education and government, of course. So it's not, it's not just education. We can't just do this alone. We have to have a broad-based coalition uh, behind this. Now, from the marketing standpoint, uh, we are using all of these resources and this research and this information to really help us drive our marketing strategy going forward here in Indiana, not only at the commission, but also, um, you know, we, we connect with our marketing communications folks at all of our institutions here in Indiana as well. And so we are running, uh, really, we're digging really deeply into the influencer model for marketing campaigns. Um, so we did a, a pretty successful one for adult learners earlier uh, in 2022, specifically um, with a local uh, sports radio host who had a really robust online local following on Twitter. And he, we followed his journey as he took steps to go back and do his, finish his degree that he never finished a long time ago for a whole lot of reasons that are pretty common, what we hear from adult learners. Um, and then very currently, um, we are still running right now, we were Fabulous opportunity to connect with um, Jerome Bettis for the bus, um, who played for the you know Steelers, 
and is on Fox News now and has, he's also a business owner and an adult learner himself. And he went back and finished his degree at Notre Dame at the beginning of last year. Um, again, a lot of those same reasons that we've heard that he didn't finish to begin with. And yeah, he's a professional football player and there's some differences there, but I think his, and he felt so passionately about sharing this message. Uh, He's got an education foundation. This is a really important thing for him as well, but it was the same, same reasons. Um, And so he's helping us to promote, uh, you know, essentially taking that outreach model to an online version so we can connect with people and help them get whatever resource connected to whatever resources that they need, um, depending on whatever their goals are and where they are in life. So just a highlight of all the things that we're doing. I don't think that was 8,000 minutes, but probably felt like it. <laughs> and Allison, I don't know if you want to add anything to that. Well, I was going to add from a, a communication standpoint, um, the language recommendations that we found, it, it didn't live just within CHE's communications and marketing department. We wanted to make sure that from the top down within the organization that we all were kind of saying the, the same things, um, whether, you know, I write a lot of our the commissioner's talking points for his events. So incorporating those within the things that he's saying, making sure that the executive team are aware of it. So it's not just you know us championing championing it, but it's it's the whole agency uh, leading the charge. So baking into the culture, basically, so that uh, and, and you're right. I mean, I think the the words matter, as uh, one of my colleagues uh, always say, and uh, I think that. Uh, the way, especially if you're uh, the commissioner and anybody else, you know, the representatives talk about higher education using the, the, the right language, uh, especially if we know what works, makes, uh, makes a lot of sense. What, what can higher ed institutions, so what colleges right now, what can they take from this research? Um, I, I'm going to ask something that I didn't ask, but uh, uh, when we talked before, uh, is like, it, are there findings are there now you talk about the, the the wordings and the messaging and things like that is that available for institutions who are that are not in Indiana for example can they go to your website and actually see some of the recommendation uh, around languaging around phrasing and, and, and things like that so we what we did, we created um, on our learn more Indiana website which is the um, student parent and educator facing um, brand of the commission, we created a website dedicated to um, the education value movement. And so on there, people can see our language recommendations that we have. We have um, we have two, two playbooks. So there's the language uh, recommendation playbook that has, um, in our presentation, we have a lot of say this, not that. Um, so like that Frank's red hot that I was saying, you know, <laughs> don't say that, but instead, how about looking, looking at this other, other way of, of phrasing the benefits of higher ed. Um, and then we also have, and this may not necessarily be applicable for people outside of the state of Indiana, but um, a, a cheat sheet to all of the um, post high school opportunities. So everybody is focused on, you know, either a two or four year degree, but there's so many other options outside of that. So that playbook has definitions of all of those opportunities, what they look like and what um, they can be. So I'll send a a link directly to that, but all of those items are free to download. Um, Charlie and I, we want to get the word out as as much as possible and to adapt um, to to some of the 
the needs within your state or within your uh, institution as well. I mean, yeah, it, I would also. If, oh, I, I was going to no. say very quickly, even if the playbook is is Indiana specific, it's a great model for other states mm -hmm. to replicate and see what's mm -hmm. being done. So I think that even that I think is, is a great resource. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. No, no. And I would also say, you know, Allison, and I'm sorry, my internet sort of cut out there for a minute. Did you talk about the e-module? No. So okay. um, I'll add to, yeah, on the on the website, we developed an, an e-module that um, originally we directed it toward educators to complete because they get a professional growth point for completing. So that's an added benefit. But it walks you through. It's about 20 minutes to complete, but all of the language recommendations that we developed, why they were developed and how you can implement them. And, you know, really anybody can take it. It's not just for educators. So it's, it's on that website that we'll send to you as well um, to take advantage of. Yeah, I will also say, you know, this is not the end for us of, uh, you know, we're not a one and done with this. Like, this is going to be a continuing and ongoing thing for us uh, in promotion, but also in following up because, you know, a, a year, two years after the pandemic, things are different than they were during it. And they'll be different in five years and 10 years. So we, it's really important for us to continue really digging deep into the, you know, what's actually happening, what people's attitudes really are. And I think, we, you know, at the state, we can do that probably a little easier than our institution partners can do that, or, or they may focus more specifically on certain populations where we're trying to really come at it from a, a really broad level. Um, and we may get more specific as we as we go. I mean, we've already, every time we've talked, we get new questions, but did you do this? Did you do this? Did you look at this? So, you know, we plenty of opportunities for us to continue refining uh, and digging deeper in, in different populations, but it's definitely our plan is to keep going with this sort of research. Yeah, I always say that there's always a new cohort of students, there's always a new cohort of families, um, that education doesn't stop and, and we quickly learned that we can keep saying that there's a ton of financial aid available, but it's so important to also say that, but also say, hey, there are people along the way to help you. And you got to keep reminding those, those new cohorts as they come in that there's help along the way to make higher ed possible. Nice. Well, I, one thing that I, I, I'm really excited, and I, I, I love the way that you're, you're phrasing it, I think is that w inside higher ed, like we know what we know. And I think sometimes we kind of forget to actually share that. You know, so you're, you're talking about the, well, you know, we have all that financial aid, like how come people don't know about it? It was like, you know, well, you deal with it every single day. Right? So does it mean that the person on the street who's whose business is not higher ed, that they know these things, that they know that there's help available and there's know that there's scholarships and grants opportunities. And also like there are actually people who can talk to you face to face. So um, that's something that uh, I, I think is so important to, to remind ourselves that, as you said, is that every year is gonna be different because you're talking about different people. Uh, it may be the same messaging or not, uh, depending on the the course, but it we need to talk about that. We need to share the the information as much as possible. You you mentioned earlier on uh, the, uh, the the national research and and things outside of of Indiana. Uh, obviously, like you know, Indiana is not, and and, and I want to make sure that I should have said that at the beginning. Although that should have gone without saying that. This is not an Indiana problem, right? I mean, this is not a Midwest problem. This is not a uh, northern part of the country problem where it snows. It, it is basically throughout the, the, the country and 
uh, and so on, like two years, four years, public private, everyone pretty much has been affected by this. So what what do you see in terms of the, the, the research or the, the, the momentum around reevaluating and rethinking about how we actually reach out to students? Yeah, so there was um, actually some research that happened recently, and, and we didn't get to include it in our, our presentation at SHEO because it hadn't been released yet. But in 2022, HCM strategists and EDGE research, they um, conducted a, a pretty similar look at, on a national scale um, into the, the value proposition of higher education. And um, Yes, the, the demographics that they looked at were a little bit different than what we used in Indiana. In Indiana, we looked at a, a holistic view of the state from you know students to general population to families. Um, they looked at specifically, um, I think it was like 18 to 26 year olds um, who, 18 to 30 year olds who either decided not to go to college or who um, stopped out of college. So it was a very specific demographic, but asking a lot of similar questions that we did. Um, and, it, and it was surprised, but not surprised that the two trends that Charlie had mentioned emerged. Overwhelmingly, the, the people thought that, that college was too expensive. And then um, also people didn't think that, that college had the same value as it used to. Uh, so it, it was good to see that, it, yes, it's not just an Indiana problem. It's it's a national issue uh, with the value proposition of higher ed. And, you know, it really should spark other states to to look at that. And I don't know if Charlie wants to speak on some of the, the I forget who it is, is kind of doing a task force on the value prop. Oh, yes. And I don't remember the name. I don't either. <laughs> so. I we can edit myself. that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you would because I was like, oh, like I just read it. It's is it through Lumina? But like, yeah, there it's a bunch well, of different states who are coming together. I'll, yeah, I'll remember who we're it not, is. We're not editing this out. Like we're, we're gonna keep it. And <laughs> if you're that person who is running those task force, uh write to us. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> and uh, we'll be happy to, uh, you know, put a, a, an addendum somewhere in the mm -hmm. in the comments uh, of the podcast. Sorry, Charlie. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you're fine. It definitely is some national group. And I did have them on my list of people like, we need to connect with them. And I've completely forgotten who they are. So sorry. Um, but yeah, please reach out to us. We would love to connect with you. Um, it does seem like there's a lot of momentum behind this in a lot of different areas. So it's this group that is yet unnamed because we can't remember them or, um, you know, Lumina and Gallup, they're, they're um, focusing on this. I, I've seen a lot of things from various states where there, uh, there seems to be a lot of groundswell around this too. And, um, you know, one of the other um, things that we looked at with our research was um, the, the communications form that we use to, to help us set this all up. You know, they've got a, a tool that sort of scans the internet, um, some cool, creepy way that I'm sure I don't want to know the details of, but they're actually really, they, they looked at and analyzed over a million tweets and blog posts and news articles and just, you know, to get an idea of what the sentiment was online. And they were able to see that it, yes, it's really negative and it has been growing. Um, and then when we dug down a little deeper and saw some of the, you know, posts that were inspired by anecdotes and this sort of negative messaging, even some that are sponsored by groups that really have some strong feelings against higher education. Um, you know, and there were some themes that emerged from those. Um, the, the deal is it's, it's really easy to 
say that negative messaging because they've made it really simple and they don't necessarily yeah. really care about facts. Like <laughs> we in higher ed pride ourselves on our data and our facts and being really smart and and how we talk about things and being really accurate. Well, unfortunately, people uh, on the other side don't necessarily feel that way. So, um, you know, it's it's a lot easier to say all the negative things than it is sometimes for a, a clear, concise messaging around all the positives. Uh, so those are just some of the, the things that we're, we're sort of up against at the national picture. But again, as I said, I do see a lot of really, in, a lot of engagement in this area across the nation. So as it happens, Charlie and Allison remembered uh, as soon as we finished recording the organization that we're talking about, and it is NASH, is the National Association of System Heads, and their campaign is called College is Worth It. Uh, as it happens, it's also chaired, that the same campaign is chaired by CCA fellow Tristan Denley. Small world, isn't it? So no need to send... Uh, emails to us or to uh, Allison and uh, Charlie, we got it in the end. W one thing that you that I, I remember from, from your presentation, and I think that speaks to this, you mentioned that a lot of times when we're, we're bringing up facts, it's we're coming in as if it's a debate somehow, yep. Yep. as opposed to trying to connect with folks on an emotional level. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that that's why I, li I like about the you know, the, the, the relevance, the valuable and the accessible, I think that that speaks and thinking about like, how does it actually connect with people yeah. as opposed to million dollar, you know, like this is it. Like if you don't do it, like you're, you're you know, you're wasting money by not doing this. Right. I, mean, I think that, I think that rethinking that and really on emotional level. So I think that's- Yeah, well, I mean, nobody wants to be reminded or told that their decisions, A, weren't good ones. Or that they're they're not um, you know doing as well as they could. That's that's probably not going to resonate with most people. But that's exactly how we were sort of approaching this. Was like yeah. you could your life's not good enough. You could have a better one if you do X, Y, and Z. So again, they're not hearing the if you do X, Y, and Z. These are all the benefits. They're hearing your life isn't good enough, and it's from people that are coming in from outside of their community, or from higher education, or from the government, and and putting this in their face and making them feel less than. So. This is not only, um, you know, there are there are clear and proven economic benefits of higher education. We all know that, um, but that is not always the most um, primary messaging that drives people because people aren't just using their heads; they're using their hearts, and they have anecdotes on anecdotes on anecdotes from other people to back up why what you're saying to me right now is not accurate. Mm -hmm. A critical piece is meeting our audiences where they are and listening and treating um, this as more of a conversation than as like a debate, you know, hearing the different anecdotes that they have, because of course everybody has, has an anecdote of either someone who went to college, got a degree, they're currently not working in the field, but they studied, they're in a ton of debt. Or the anecdote of someone who didn't go to college, they're an entrepreneur, they're super successful and making millions of dollars. I feel like every single one of us either has that personal experience or has heard it through social media or the media in some way. And so instead, it's, you know, not saying you're going to get left behind if you don't go to college. Um, but, but hearing what they have to say, listening to some of the concerns or the doubts that they may have, um, and addressing them and really finding a pathway that works for them, not just that four-year on-campus 
full-time um, pathway that they immediately think of that is required when you say the word college or higher ed. Yeah. And the connecting with people in a true and honest manner is so important. You know, um, if you, if you were to tell people, well, the facts is really simple and it only takes 15 minutes to complete. Okay. Well, if you've ever filed, and I know they're working on it, (laughs) it is not, but then it, if you're telling people that in the messaging and then they're struggling with it or they're having a hard time or they're taking a long time, they think, God, am I stupid? Or, or you lied to me. Um, and this is not easy and this is not simple. So it's making sure that we're connecting authentically in a way with people where we're, we're acknowledging the skepticism, acknowledging the hard truths. Yeah. You're going to have to put some work into this. And here's why it's beneficial instead of your life is not great. And this is why, how it could be better. So you have to really, we have to really connect those dots um, to help people along the path. Yeah. And that, I mean, what you just said reminded me of one of the um, examples that, that we got from the focus group when we were talking about financial aid. If we're sitting here saying that there's all of these opportunities, well, one of the adult learners responded and they're like, okay, well, why haven't I gotten any money? Why haven't I gotten any financial aid? Well, they're missing that that piece of someone to counsel them and help guide them through that process. So yeah, it's it's so easy to say, oh my gosh, there's all these opportunities. Why aren't you taking advantage of them? When particularly for first-generation students or maybe some adult learners, they they don't know where to look and how to access that. Great point. Uh, I, again, I, I, I love, and by the way, uh, if you're, you're listening, uh, obviously you are right now, uh, you can see like obviously the, the, the passion and, and, and all that. Uh, and I think that uh, that's why I think I, I really was excited that you guys agreed to, to do this, uh, this podcast. Uh, I want to, uh, again, thank you both for this. Uh, I know that uh, both of you also said that uh, you'd be happy if folks were to reach out to you. Uh, so uh, we will share the, um, contact information or that or at least we'll make it easier uh we're not just necessarily going to put your your email address out there uh that easily but we'll make it easy for uh for for folks to to find you so that they can actually uh ask you questions and again uh allison like you know can send me the uh the resources and things like that or at least the link so in the description of the podcast you should be able to also access those resources and start thinking about like what does it look like for my institution or my state uh, or, or my community? Uh, again, uh, we don't want to assume that you're necessarily working at a uh, college. So again, thank you both uh, for this. Uh, looking forward to to see what's next from uh, both of you. And uh, for those who are definitely interested, you know, keep keep looking at the uh, Indiana Commission on Higher Education uh, website. They're uh, doing great things and. Again, a lot of it comes from the marketing team here. So uh, thank you both again, and we'll talk soon. Thanks so much, Nicholas. And yes, we're very passionate about it. So if you want an equally passionate presentation, as you said, just give us a (laughs) or an email. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you both.